Here is another powerful message from New Vision Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. To hear the rest of this series and others, join us at newvisionlife.com. It is good to see you guys this morning. I want to say a special welcome to our Buchanan campus, who uh, they are with us live right now, so it's always great to worship with you guys. And we have some great news for Buchanan this morning, just great news for our entire church family. Uh, Many of you know we've been searching for a campus pastor for our Buchanan campus for about six months. We've just talked to just a, a bunch of folks, good people. But last week, our personnel team uh, hired a new campus pastor for uh, the Buchanan campus. We want to introduce him to you now. We'll put his picture up on the screen. Ben Curtis and his wife, Mandy, are going to be coming to us from Tracy City, Tennessee, up on Mont Eagle Mountain. So we're excited about those guys and their children, uh, Ethan and Lydia. And Ben has over 20 years of experience pastoring churches around Middle Tennessee. And uh, God has sent us a great one, and Ben and Mandy, their family. So we're excited about that. You guys in Buchanan are going to get a chance to to meet him real soon. He will be starting in the 1st of October, so we're really excited about that. Hey, if you have your Bibles today, uh, let's go ahead and open them up to the book of Daniel chapter 1. That's where we'll be, Daniel chapter 1. If you have your scripture, kind of middle of the Bible, find uh, Psalms, Proverbs, keep going to the right, and you'll find the book of Daniel. And if you'd give me just a moment, I, I appreciate that as you're looking for the scripture today. I want to thank you. Amy and I want to thank you so much for all the prayers. Uh, you guys have been praying cards that we've received, emails and text. As Amy was diagnosed, many of you know, I think Nick shared last week with breast cancer a couple weeks ago. And uh, she is doing great. She's, uh, she's here today somewhere. And we're excited about the physicians that God has brought to us and believe that there's a good plan in place. She has surgery 1st of October, so just continue to pray uh, for her. And uh, again, thank you for for all you guys have done uh, for us. Now, let's jump in. Uh, today is we finish out this Be A Light series, and I have to kind of say I'm sort of sad to see it go. We've really enjoyed this series, uh, our small groups, there have been some neat stuff that have happened in our Be A Light small groups, and, and really just some neat stuff that's happened in my life through this series, so I'm a little sad to see it go, but we're going to end on a high note tonight. Uh, it's not tonight, is it? Man, in the last service I got being, I preached so hard in the first service, I needed a new jacket and a new shirt. I mean, it was, it was, it was full on, so it feels like tonight to me. We are, uh, we're going to look at a character who exemplifies what it means to be a light. If you think about the Old Testament, who really exemplifies what it means to be a light, probably uh, we would say there are few that, that model this better than Daniel. Now, let, let's pick up in Daniel chapter, chapter 1, verse 1, and we're going we're gonna to set the stage for this a little bit as we read, but the, the title of this message is, is this, and I always tell guys, if you have a title that you have to explain, you don't have a good title. And I have a title I, don't have, I, I have to explain, so what does that say to me? Well, I don't have to follow what I teach. I just, you know, I, I don't have to do that. Sacrifice, today we're going to talk about sacrifice, be a light. Is it a sacrifice or the secret? Being a light, is it a sacrifice or a secret? Because here's what I mean by that. So many times we come to church and we hear a message and we take a look at the challenge. We think, man, that, that's a real sacrifice. You know, and, and it is. But what we're going to see today is when Jesus calls us to be a light, when the Scripture calls us to be a light, it's not so much just a sacrifice. It could be the secret to really the life that God has for you. And I want you to see it that way today. And and the story of Daniel is the ultimate riches to rags to riches story. And we'll explain that. Daniel chapter 1, verse 1. You may be familiar with this story. It says, In the third year of the reign of King Jehoiakim, king of Judah, 
Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Now look at verse 2. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into, the, into his hand. Now let's stop there for a second because this is, sets the background. And if you miss this, it just won't make a whole lot of sense to you. Israel, the land of, of, of Judah, God's chosen covenant people. If you, if you grew up in the church, you sort of had the privilege of understanding that, that, that that didn't make the Jews better than everybody else, but they were supposed to be God's chosen covenant people so that they could be a light to all the nations, that what God was doing in their life would be revealed to everybody around them. But this story takes place about 600 years B.C., and the nation of Israel had forgotten what God had called them to do. They had rejected what God had called them to do. They were living in compromise. They were compromising their morality. They were given to idolatry. They had many things that they were placing in in, in front of God, and and they were given to injustice. They were more concerned about their needs, and they oppressed others. And so the Lord sent prophets, prophets like Isaiah, prophets like Ezekiel, prophets like Jeremiah, to warn the children of Israel, listen, if you don't shape up, you're going to have to ship out of this land. And this is exactly what happens, because they didn't repent. They continued to compromise, and God used, look at verse 2 again, look at it, it's so helpful, it'll confuse you a little bit. But God sends a pagan king to come and besiege his chosen covenant people to discipline them because of their sin. It says in verse 2, And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off the temple of his God in Babylon, which would be 1,500 miles away, and put them in the treasure of the house of of his God. Now, if you you read on verse 3 all the way down uh, through verse 7, it really talks about what Nebuchadnezzar does. Now, when Nebuchadnezzar comes to Jerusalem, he comes in two waves. About 600 B.C. is the first time he, he comes and attacks the nation of Israel. He comes back in 586 B.C. He completes completely destroys the city of Jerusalem, and he takes 25% of the population back to Babylon, where he has an extensive training program where he really wants to deprogram them of all that they have learned and known as Yahweh, God's covenant people, and he wants to train them in the ways of, of the Babylonians. He, we're going to see today with Daniel and his friends, he changes their names, but he tries to change their diet. He gives them a whole different education. He's trying to secularize them in many ways. And he takes the best and the brightest. Now, listen, this is a pretty selfish thing because he wants to take the best and the brightest of of Israel and he wants to bring them, he wants to use them in his country for his purposes. Now, let's let's take a look. If you have your notes, let's go ahead and pull them out. We're going to look at three secrets today that Daniel knew. Three secrets that Daniel knew that we need to know. Because it's, it's not so much that being a light, and he was a light, not so much that being a light is a sacrifice, it really is a secret, but what did he know that we need to know? Now, the first thing I want to do today, which is going to seem kind of weird, I want, I want to do this. Do I have any 15-year-olds here? 15-year-olds, can I just see your hand? 15-year-olds going once, right here on the front row, right there, 15-year-olds. There's parents raising their hand for their kids. If you're 15, if you're 15, would you stand up? Seriously, stand up. Go ahead and do that, all right? Well, all right, there we go. 15 years old, stand up, good job. Good job. All right, everybody look around. You see a 15-year-old? You say, why are you doing this? That's how old Daniel was. I just want you to get some, kind of some perspective. You guys can have a seat. You're already having a seat before I told you. Like, this awkward mom, I'm never coming to church again. This guy's nuts. But, I mean, you can tell him. You can say, you know what? God used me this weekend in over 1,000 people's lives as I stood and reminded them what a 15-year-old looked like, right? I've forgotten 
So Daniel was 15 years old. So I just want you to kind of get that perspective, these 15-year-olds that, that, that stood up here, the kind of life that he lived at the age that he lived and what, the age that he was. What did he know? First of all, here's the first thing that Daniel knew. And this is a secret, man. You've got to know this. We must be tested before we can be trusted. You, you, you've got to be tested before you can be trusted. If you want the life that God wants for you, if you want more, anybody here today would say, well, I want more, I want more of God's presence, I want more of what God has for me in my life. I, I do. But we've got to be tested before we can be trusted. Your morality will be tested. Your generosity will be tested. Your integrity will be trust, uh, tested. You have to be tested before you could you'd be trusted. And, and that's what Daniel was. In 2007, Tennessee Titans drafted a quarterback from the University of Texas. His name, Vince Young. They signed Vince Young, an incredible, incredible athlete. They signed Vince Young to a $25 million contract. Seven years later, in 2014, Vince Young filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Not only had he lost all his money, he's owing several millions of dollars in, in debt. He lost everything. This incredible athlete. And when you read his story of what happened, of the people who took advantage of him, he, he says that he wasn't watching his finances close enough and, and friends and family members took advantage of him. Teammates took advantage of him. There, there's a lot of stories sort of floating around there that in Nashville that are kind of sort of legendary. And, and Vince says a lot of those really weren't true. But he says one was true. He said one night he took some of his teammates to a restaurant, to Cheesecake Factory, and bought them dinner and drinks. And he said they, they started ordering the most expensive bottles of wine, and they were carrying them out of the restaurant with them. And they took advantage of him, and in one night at the Cheesecake Factory, he spent $15,000. I don't even want my wife and kids have an appetizer. That's the kind of guy... <laughs> you're just you're laughing, but you're the same way. I know you. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, and, and that, that's sad. And so, uh, you know, he was he was trusted with all this money, and that happens all the time in our lives in so many areas. But we, we haven't yet been tested to be able to handle it, and that may be why you're stuck right now in an area of your life because you know what you haven't passed the test that God has for you. Daniel understood this. I mean, even though he's ripped from his home as a 15-year-old, away from his family, taken 1,500 miles away into this pagan dark culture, Daniel knew that we shine brightest in the darkness. And that's one of the things that we keep coming back to in this Be a Light series, that in the darkest times of our lives, that's when we have the ability to shine the brightest because everybody is watching. And Daniel doesn't duck his head in the darkness of this captivity that he was in. He's resilient. He's humble. He's faithful. He doesn't compromise. He has discipline, all these things, and he's just 15. What a great lesson for us. I love this quote from Larry Osborne. It's one of my favorite. He said this. This is so true for Daniel's life, and it's so true for our life, and it's a lens that we need to see life through. He says God is in control of who is in control. He always has been and always will be. Now, when you go back to Daniel chapter 1, verse 2, a pagan king named Nebuchadnezzar, comes and overtakes God's chosen people. And Daniel knows this. Nebuchadnezzar's not ultimately in control. God is in control of who is in control. He always has been. And listen, many of you right now, 
There's an area of captivity in your life. You're experiencing an area of captivity that's causing you to be very frustrated, maybe to turn your back upon God, and maybe it's in your, in your, in your job. Uh, maybe you're just you're frustrated with the, the government, maybe. Maybe you're frustrated in a marriage. Maybe there's been a diagnosis that has frustrated you. But, but here's the truth. God is in control of who is in control. He always has been and always will be. And Daniel knew that, and he was faithful in the midst of that. And God will use the trials in Babylon that Daniel went through and that we go through to, to reveal the authenticity of our faith so many times. How do you know that we have true faith? True faith has to be tested many times before it can be trusted and before it's revealed. And we see that in Daniel's life. Now, let's skip on down to verse 8. Now, whatever you have to do, Whatever you have to do to lock in for the next five minutes, verse 8, Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, is the key to this whole book. This is the most important passage in this entire book. And if you would take this passage seriously, I'm telling you, it is the secret, man. It will change everything. Now, if you study Daniel's life and see all that God did in Daniel's life, I, I was going to save this for the end, but let me just go ahead and tell you. If you don't know how the story ends with Daniel, you, you, you should read the book of Daniel. Like, I, I love the Jason Bourne movies. Anybody a big Jason Bourne fan? Huge Jason Bourne fan. My wife is more old school. Uh, she, she likes, uh, she's more of a Harrison Ford, Indiana Jones. And so she, she loves sort of all the Indiana Jones movies. I, I tell you, Daniel is like Jason Bourne and Indiana Jones combined. He's like Jason Bourne and Indiana Jones meets Jesus, and that's Daniel. Man, this dude is a sinking stud. I mean, his story is unbelievable. Hollywood can't match it. It's awesome. And so think about this. Daniel lives. He's 15 when this takes place. He lives to be about 85 or 90. He, he, he works for four different kings, two of these pagan kings, he leads to faith in his, his God. Um, he, in fact, when the final king takes, when, when Cyrus the Great, you remember Cyrus the Great from world history? When Cyrus the Great comes down and the Persian Empire begins and the Babylonians are kicked out, Cyrus the Great, in fact, just eradicates all the Babylonian leadership because he doesn't want any of them hanging around except for one. I mean, Cyrus comes in and says, kill them all. Leave Daniel. I'm going to roll with him. It's amazing. His life is just unbelievable how God uses him. He, he ends up second in command in the most powerful empire in the world. And here's why. Verse 8. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. Because one of the things that Nebuchadnezzar was doing is Nebuchadnezzar was indoctrinating these young men in, in all types of uh, disciplines, educationally and religiously, but he was also feeding them. He had a training table. He was feeding them the best foods in the land, and maybe the Vols need a new training table. I don't know. I mean, it's <laughs> something to think about. And so he invites Daniel to the, to the training table, and, and two words that you ought to underline in your Bible here that are the key. And again, verse 8, chapter 1, verse 8 is the linchpin to all that God does in Daniel's life. I really believe it. It says that Daniel resolved. That word resolve means to, to decide beforehand. It is premeditated commitment. It is deciding beforehand what you're going to do. I just wonder if, if Daniel's in the back of this chariot going from uh, Jerusalem all the way to the Babylonian Empire, traveling up to the Fertile Crescent, 1,500 miles, if he wasn't at that point thinking about resolving, deciding beforehand what he was going to do. This wasn't a decision he made in the heat of the moment. He'd already decided. He said he resolved not to defile himself. Now, that word defile is sort of like an old English word that we don't use very often today. The word defile means this. It just means to pollute. 
It means to bring anything that is impure into our life. Like if we finish up today and we had an old school baptism down at the river and we walked down to the Stones River and we baptized and we had fried chicken and potato salad and and we ate on the bank and then after it was over, we just all took our trash and just threw it in the river. Man, that's messed up, isn't it? I mean, that'd be polluting. That's defiling. And Daniel is saying, I'm not going to defile my life with this royal food and wine. And you, might, and you might say this, because this is what the vast majority, and there may have been hundreds or thousands of other Hebrew boys that were like, Daniel, dude, it's not that big a deal. Listen, your mama's not here anymore. It's a great message for college students to go away from home, right? Because sometimes, I don't know, something happens to us when we leave home, doesn't it? Like, freedom. And Daniel resolves not to, you didn't respond, like you didn't do that? Good for you. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself. And you may say, what's the big deal about eating some of this food and drinking the king's wine? Well, a couple things were wrong with it. Number one, this food had already been offered to the pagan gods that the Babylonians worshipped. So for Daniel, it would have been, been idolatry. It would have been worshiping, worshiping something other than his God, which he resolved not to do that. It would have also violated what the Scripture taught. In the Old Testament, Leviticus chapter 5, Leviticus chapter 11, God had, God have, God had specific dietary requirements for His set-apart covenant people, the people of Israel, so that they could be a light to the nations. And Daniel had resolved not to, we're going to see this in a few moments, not to color outside of the lines. If God said it, He was going to do it. And so he resolved not to defile himself. But watch how he does this. He doesn't do this in such an arrogant way. He doesn't say, you know what, I'm not eating that junk. Why don't you get this trash out of here? I'm a Hebrew. We don't eat junk like you pagans do. He asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in, in this way. Now watch verse 9. Here we go. Here we go. Is this so much sacrifice being a light or is it secret? Look at verse 9. Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. Daniel doesn't compromise his faith. The opposite of compromise is what? It's commitment, isn't it? Daniel shows commitment, and God honors that, and, and, and now Daniel begins to have favor with those who are over him. But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my Lord the king who has assigned you food and drink. In other words, this is a part of his plan. Eating at this table is a part of his plan. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would have my head because of you. I mean, Nebuchadnezzar did not play. Look at verse 11. Daniel then said to the guard and the chief official who he had appointed over Daniel, uh, please test your servants for 10 days. Let me, this is free, but let me just tell you something. There are going to be times in all of our lives as followers of Jesus Christ where we really have to object to what's going on in the culture. We have to, there's things in our professional life that we just have to say, you know what, I can't do that. There, there are things in relationships that, that, that we're in that we just have to say, you know what, that, that's compromise. I can't walk in that. How we do it is so important. And watch what Daniel does. Daniel says, test me for 10 days. He already has a plan. He gives them a plan. Do you see that? Bring a plan to the table. Like, you know what? If your boss is asking you to do something that is, is compromising your faith, instead of just blasting that person, why don't you bring back a plan that really could show your commitment to God, but just to be a, a win-win for anybody? Do you see that? And, and Daniel has big faith. He knows that God is going to show up. He said, just give us 10 days. That, listen, here, here's the problem. It wasn't that being in Babylon was a trial that was so, so big for all these other Hebrew boys. And here's the problem in all of our lives. Why this. Buchanan, are you still with me? It's not that our trials are too big. It's this. It's our faith is too small. 
It said our faith in this God is too small. And Daniel, Daniel has huge faith. He said, just give us 10 days. Test us in this. Test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to, to drink. Then compare our appearance with, with all of the, the, the other young men who eat at the royal food and, and, and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. Just give us 10 days, water and vegetables, and then compare us with the rest of them. And you, you just decide. I'll let you decide. And listen, if we look worse, then we'll just acquiesce. So the guard agrees. Let's go back to our notes and let's look at the second thing in this section that Daniel knew that we need to know. So important. Daniel knew that compromise cripples success. When Daniel, when Daniel verse 8 says, Daniel resolved not to defile himself, why did he do that? Because he knew compromise cripple success. Daniel refused to compromise his, his faith. And again, compromise occurs not because the trial is too big, it's because our faith in God is too weak. Now, compromise is good in some areas. Like some of you are saying, well, I thought compromise is a decent thing. You know, in marriage, compromise can be, be a good thing. Like I, I, I said to Amy, you know, about Saturday, I said, let's, let's get up early and go fishing Saturday morning. And she said, no, I was thinking that we'd go look for a, a purse. I thought we'd go shopping. And I said, well, let's go to Bass Pro. Winner. Right? <laughs> It's compromise. Compromise works sometimes in marriage. But compromising our relationship with Christ never works. It cripples our success. You have no idea right now, and I have no idea in my life, how much compromise is costing you and costing me. And Daniel's story shows us something, man. It shows us something. Again, here's what I'm saying. This is not so much a sacrifice. It's the secret to the life that God wants for you and you want. Now, I heard a story of a, a Civil War soldier who couldn't, who couldn't decide which side he was going to fight for, for the North or for the South, so he made a compromise. He wore a Union jacket, Confederate pants, went out to the battlefield. Both sides shot him and killed him quickly. You see, that, I thought we'd go over better than it did. I'm, tr I'm trusting it, but Cannon, you guys have a sense of humor. Watch this. Compromise will kill you in your, in your spiritual life. Now, here's why compromise occurs. Compromise occurs when we are more concerned with being a star than being a light. Now, now I love the looks that some of you are giving me. You're like, hmm, I don't know if I understand that. But if, if, we've, if we've learned anything in this series, I hope we've learned this. When Jesus says be a light, he's not saying that you need to produce light. He's saying that we need to reflect his light. We're like the, we're like the moon, right? Does the moon produce light? No, the moon reflects light. Now, stars, if we think about a star, stars have just a, they're like little nuclear reactors. Stars produce light. But, but, but if, if you understand compromise, compromise is living life more like a star than like a light. It's all about you. It's a life that you can produce. It's about your desires, your needs. It's about your reputation. It's about your perception with others. It's all about you. Instead of turning into him and realizing it is all about him. And reflecting his light. Now watch this. We'll come back to that. Here's the anchor text for this series. I want to go to it as we close this series out today. This is why we put this series together based on this teaching of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. One of the most powerful words ever spoken by our Lord. Jesus said, you believers are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Look at verse 15. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Now what Jesus is saying is our faith may be personal, but it's not private. It's always meant, you're always meant to shine. You've always been meant to, to be a light. And he says, you don't take your light and put it under a bowl. You might want to write this in the margin of your Bible. That bowl is compromise. 
That's what compromise is. Compromise is a bowl to your light. It covers it up. And we compromise our faith in so many ways. Compromise really conceals our faith. Now think about it. In what ways am I compromising my faith? In what ways instead of shining am I placing a bowl over the light of God's glory in my life? We compromise our faith with our hobbies. We give so much time and attention and finances to things that don't matter. And you know what? We'll, we'll, with our time, we'll put so many things ahead of the Lord with our time, with our, with our money, with our relationships with other people. These all can be bowls that really compromise our faith. Compromise is also this. Think about it. Compromise is really you and I coloring outside the lines, the lines that God has set. Last weekend, Amy and I were down at her mom's little lake house in Alabama, and, and uh, the whole family was down there. Her mom has a, a table in her kitchen that you could set the Waltons to. I mean, it's huge. It's like this massive old uh, table. And so everybody kind of gathers around that table. And so I walked in one afternoon, and my two-year-old grandson is sitting at the table coloring, we bring him things to do while we're down there, not because we're good parents or grandparents. We just want to do what we want to do, and it keeps him busy. And so he, he, was, he was coloring, and then Amy's 91-year-old grandmother is sitting beside him, and she's coloring. He started coloring, and she's struggling with dementia, and she sat down, and she said, I want to color too. So they handed her a sheet, and both of them had crayons. I can still see them in mine, and they're just going as hard as they can, just all over the page. And both of them were coloring outside the lines, but with a two-year-old and a 91-year-old struggling with dementia, it's really not a good time to break out a lesson on coloring inside the lines. Like, hey, this is pitiful, guys. Got to do better than that. I mean, no one would do that. We'd say, you know what, that's beautiful. Y'all are doing a great job. But here's the point. It's not so funny when you're 35. And God has clearly marked out a way for us to go but we willingly choose to color outside the lines with our morality, with our finances, with our time, with our thoughts. That's what Daniel said he would not do. I'm not going to color outside the lines that my God has set no matter how difficult the situation is. Daniel drew the line where God drew the line. Craig Groeschel said this. This is an amazing statement, really amazing statement. He says, your success in so many different spiritual avenues will ultimately be determined by what you decide ahead of time you'll stand up for. Can we read that again? Your success in so many different spiritual avenues will be determined by what you decide ahead of time what you will stand up for. What about you? Daniel had resolved not to defile himself, but what about you? There's a ton of interest today. Among Jonathan, about Jonathan Edwards. Now, maybe you've heard a little bit of Jonathan Edwards, his most famous sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Jonathan Edwards wrote a lot of books, preached a lot of sermon. He was a great writer and uh, theologian. But here's one of the things that's interesting about Jonathan Edwards. Living in the 18th century, when he was 18 years old, he wrote 70 resolutions. 70 resolutions. Some people say between the time he was 18 and 20, he wrote 70 resolutions. He decided beforehand on 70 different issues. Now, you can go online, you can read them. But I, I want to read you one. Now, this is in 18th century English, so it's, uh, you kind of have to cock your head a little bit like, come on, John. Let's take a look at it. Edward says he had resolved never to do anything which I should be afraid to do. If I expected it would not be above an hour before I should hear the last trump. And the last trump is what? 
return of Jesus. Do you see that? Let, let, let's read that again. Can we put it back up on the screen one more time? Here's Edwards resolving, deciding beforehand, premeditated commitment. He said, I have decided never to do anything which I should be afraid to do if I expected it would be not be one hour before I should hear the last trump. He said, I've made a commitment in my life. I'm not going to have anything involved. I'm not going to be involved in anything in my life that I would, would be embarrassed to do if I knew in the next 60 minutes the Lord Jesus was returning again. How would your life and my life be different if we resolved to live like that? You see, that's what Daniel did. Daniel resolved not to defile himself. You see, here's, here's the thing. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 2. I want to show you something that's so important, so important. Watch this. Please hang with me for just a second. Paul says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renew your mind in the truth of God's word, the teaching of God's word. You're doing that today. And he says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now watch this, watch this, watch this. Here's the only two options you have. You will either be conformed by this world or you will be transformed by God. You will either be used by God and be a light or you will be used by this world. There aren't any other options. Do you see that? That's it. Now, I'm going to show you something because here's what I think. I, I think everybody, we won't really be honest about this, but here's what we're all saying. We're all saying, well, what's in it for me, man? Like, what's in it for me? Because this seems like such a sacrifice. Well, watch. Go back to Romans 12, 2. And show, I want to show you something. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then here's the payoff, and then you will be able to do this. Test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Here's what this message is about today. Being a light is not so much a sacrifice, but it's the secret. And let me ask you something. You don't have to raise your hand. But what would it be like in most every situation in your life, in your career whether you should make a move or not, in parenting your children, in relationships decisions, in, in every situation in your life, if you could hear more clearly the voice of God about that, would you want that? <laughs> yes. Man, I would. In fact, here's what I hear all the time. I hear, Pastor Bray, how do I find God's will for, for my life? And you can, you can read a lot of books on finding God's will, and Paul is so clear. Do you know how you find God's will? You stop compromising. You stop compromising and you live out your core commitments like Daniel did and God will reveal his plan to you. Now, here's how I know this is true in Daniel's life. Watch this. Watch this. I want you to get this. Sometimes preachers are weird, man. I mean, I am. I'm weird. I'm not going to blame other people. I'm just weird. Like I, I study and I, I come across what I think is a nugget and I'm like, I can't wait. Everyone loves it. It's like Christmas morning for these guys. And I share it and you guys are like, you know, you got a pair of NFL socks from your grandmother, the tube socks. You remember that? Like that wasn't any good. You guys never got socks like that from your grandma? Yes, two of you. Let me ask you a question. There are only two people in Scripture that the Lord reveals how history would end. Do you know who they are? In the New Testament, the last book of the Bible is what? Revelation. John, the revelator, ununveiling. God revealed to John how history would, would end. You know who the other person he reveals it to? Daniel. The book of Daniel, it's full of prophecy about history will end. So what's the point? Listen, a life of commitment opens you up to greater communication to hear from the Lord. And that's what we really want. This is the secret, man. This is what you want. This is what you would want if we really knew what it is that we needed. Now, let's go back and look at this final, final seconds, final section. Compromise, we said, really 
really cripples our success. We said, first of all, we're going to have to be tested before we can be trusted. And finally, let's look at this. And we're going to build on what we've titled this message. And I want you to leave with this this one thought. Being a light is not so much a sacrifice, but it's really the secret. Now, with that thought in mind, let's read this, this final section of Scripture. Can we do that? Let's go down and begin down where we lift off, left off in verse 15. It says that at the end of 10 days, at the end of this 10-day test that Daniel took, it says that they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So here's, here's Daniel's handler after the end of 10 days, just water and vegetables, and he comes in and is like, man, you guys are looking good. I mean, the other Jewish boys are like, man, Daniel, strong. I mean, to be honest, um, some 2,600 years later, uh, one of the best-selling Christian books several years ago was The Daniel Plan. Any of you remember that? Any of you do that? Yeah, I didn't, but some people did. It was just a, a health plan. You know, can you imagine Daniel thinking, hey, guys, if we do this, I see a book deal coming. It's going to be down the road. No. I mean, they look, they look great, healthier, and better nourished than any of the other young men who ate the royal food. I love that. So here you have the majority of people who compromised and said, Daniel, it's not that big a deal. And Daniel says, it is a big a deal, big deal. I'm not going to color outside the lines. I'm going to be committed to what God called me to be committed to. And God shows up and Daniel looks better. His boys look better, right? Verse 16, so the guard took away their choice food and wine. They were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. And I love that. The guard's like, yeah, all right. Keep throwing the vegetables to them. To these four young men, watch this, watch this. Because this is not so much a sacrifice. Man, it's a secret. To these four young men who resolved not to defile themselves, and and to be honest, it was Daniel first. Because that's what a leader, somebody's got to go first. Listen, somebody's got to go first. When everybody was compromising their faith, Daniel said, I'm not going to defile myself. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they came along with Daniel. Would you be that kind of guy would you, be that kind of, would you be that kind of young man? You're a 17-year-old, and on Friday night after the, after the game, be the guy who goes out and doesn't get messed up on Friday night. Other people will follow. Be the 21-year-old girl in your sorority who's not messing around with other guys who has commitments to what God has called her to. Be the guy in the office who doesn't shade the financial books, who isn't dishonest to close a deal. Be a light, other people will follow. That's what Daniel was. And to these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. You see, they were being trained in, 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 in Nebuchadnezzar U. And, these, and they were thinking, you know what? I mean, it would have been so easy for Daniel to say, listen, I, I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to get involved in this and, and all this art and literature and everything that he's doing. But God gave them wisdom, and they were at the top of their class. You want your ACT score to improve? Honor God. That didn't go well. It's true. I mean, God honors that in a powerful way. You see, compromise is costing you in every single area of your life. And, and then it says, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams. God gave him gifts. They're going to come in super handy in chapter 2. Daniel and all of his friends would have died if it wasn't for the gifts that God gave him to interpret dreams. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with him. So at the end of this three-year plan, they had an oral exam with King Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with him, and he found none equal to Daniel and his three friends. So they entered the king's service in, listen to this, in every matter of wisdom and understanding understanding about which the king questioned them. He found them 10 times 
better than all the magicians and enchanters in the whole kingdom. Maybe this is what Jesus was saying when he said, be a light. Maybe, just maybe, it's not so much sacrifice. Maybe it's the secret. The secret to what God has always wanted to do in and through you. And compromises cost you so much. While keeping his integrity intact, his faith intact in Babylon, as I study the book of Daniel, Daniel was promoted at least five times, major promotions. He served and outlasted four different emperors, again, leading two of them to faith in his God. He's an 85-year-old man, and Cyrus comes to town and kills all the Babylonian leaders except for Daniel. God even lets Daniel know something that he only let John know, how history was going to end. Can I just summarize this section for you? Here it is. Here it is. Choosing to be a light removes the ceiling. Choosing to be a light removes the ceiling. See, compromise stifles, but commitment to our God removes the ceiling. There's no limit to what God can do in your life. Let me share a couple verses, and then we're headed to the house. Well, I'm going to stay for the next service, but you guys are going home. Proverbs 16, 7. When the Lord takes pleasure in anyone's way, he causes their enemies to make peace with them. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In how many of your ways? All of your ways acknowledge him, and what will he do? He will make straight or direct your paths. Can I tell you something? Can I tell you something as we close this Be a Light series? Would you shine, would you reflect God's glory in your life with your integrity, with your morality, with your generosity? Would you turn in more and more to him? Would you walk with commitment and not compromise? What could God do in your life? When you compromise, you forfeit so much. Daniel reminds us of that. My wife, we were going over this. I, I preach this message to her about four times during the week. Bless her heart. She has to listen to this stuff. You think it's bad for you. She's listened to it forever. And I was finishing up. She said, you need to, you need to close with this verse. When she, when she says that, I listen. She says, this is what this whole series has reminded me that I want to be like and close with this verse. And, 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 and she read Proverbs 4.18 in our kitchen the other morning. And I want to read it over you guys. And I want it to be something that would guide us, that would challenge us, that it would motivate us as we leave this Be a Light series and launch us into being who God wants us to be. Listen to what it says. It says, the way of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, which shines ever brighter until the full light of day. That's what it means to be a light. The way of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn. Would you be that tomorrow in the office, in the classroom, in the neighborhood, when you walk into any environment? Would you be a light? And guess what? You're like the first gleam of dawn. And as we continue to turn in to him and reflect his glory, we start shining brighter and brighter until the full light of day. What would keep you from doing that? Let me leave you with some questions today. Buchanan, I hope you're still with me.
Here's a couple of questions that you need to wrestle with. Can we do that for just a second? So important. What have you resolved in your heart not to do? What have you resolved, decided beforehand not to do? Men, have you resolved in your heart not to walk away from your bride? Stay true to your commitment to God and to her. Young people, have you resolved to keep yourself pure until you stand before a pastor and before God and give your life to that other person? Have you resolved in your heart to do that? Dads, have you resolved in your heart that at the first of the week you'll have your family gathered to worship the living God? Have you resolved in your heart to do that? Have you resolved in your heart that the first of my time, the first of my talents, the first of my resources, go to my king? Second question, what is your ball? What is your area of compromise? It's waiting as soon as you get out in your car. It's an area that you go back to that stifles God's light in you. What's your ball? Would you repent of that? Because being a light is not so much just a sacrifice. It's the secret. And that bowl of compromise is costing you more than you could ever imagine. I promise, I promise. Where are you coloring outside the lines? Where is an area in your life that God in his word has clearly laid out his will for you? His word is so clear, but you have rejected that, and you're coloring outside the lines. Lastly, most important thing, are you acting more like a star than being a light? You say, what do you mean? You're acting more like a star. In fact, that's been the story of your life. To be honest, it's always been about you, about your desires, about your needs, about your will, about your reputation, about your perception, come what may. It's always been about you. You've been a star. But can I tell you something about stars? Listen, let me tell you something about stars. Stars fall. Stars fall. And that needs to happen for you right now. Some of you right now in this moment, somebody watching online would say, you know what, that's been, that's been my life. It's been a life that I could produce. And I have never truly with eyes of faith turned away from being a star, being about me in repentance and looked full in the face of King Jesus and trusted him fully and said, I don't want my light to shine. I want yours to shine through me. It is not about me. It is about you. And I finally get it. And with eyes of faith, you would trust him. You're acting more like a star. Or have you finally decided that you're ready to be a light? Let's pray. For anybody here with heads bowed and eyes closed that would say, Pastor Brady, I've been a star. I'm ready to be a light. Would you just say this to the Father? Father, I have made it about me. Tell him that. 
And today I realize that stars fall. I've been falling for a long time. It's not working. Would you just tell him, I'm, I'm just done. I'm done with being a star. I'm ready to be a light. Jesus, I believe you stepped out of heaven to save false stars like me. And Jesus, I believe you lived a life that I could never live. Would you tell him that? Jesus, I believe you lived a life I could never live. And Jesus, I believe you you died a death that was mine. Would you tell him that? And today, I turn with eyes of faith to you, trusting you completely as my Savior, as my light, as my Lord. I don't want to color outside the lines any longer. I have rejected you for so many years because I thought it was too great a sacrifice when I finally realized it's the secret. I'll surrender. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we'd like to invite you to one of our Sunday morning services. We meet at 820, 940, and 11 a.m. If you would like more information or would like to watch or listen to more of our services, please visit us online at newvisionlife.com. This broadcast is brought to you by New Vision Baptist Church, where our mission is guiding people to lives of gospel transformation.